0: You know we spend
1: all off season talking through tons of different strategies, but we spend the majority of the time talking about what the first, four, five, six, seven, even 10 rounds of drafts. That's important. Those picks are very important. But what can really make or break a draft is your late round targets. And it's easy to just throw out names and then forget about it later or next year. When they don't work out shout out and evans but i think it's important for us to dive into how we go about targeting some of these late round guys there's a lot of different elements we can take into account we've got a bunch of content up on the site surrounding it and i want to talk through it a little bit today with you guys how do we find some of these sleepers how do we find some of these late round guys which ones do we pick on which teams we'll get into it today guys happy friday happy friday sir i got a new mic and uh, it's taller than the old one so i'm still figuring out like how i like it situated you know i move around and i grab my mic all the time like it's just part of i talk with my hands so it becomes like a i don't know i'm weird i'm very weird but um yeah so i'm still getting this uh comfortability Late round targets, right? I think a lot of people um, struggle to separate things like player picks and player takes and sleepers and all that kind of stuff from like the like this show, right? Um, which is supposed to be every Thursday. Thank you for dealing with me uh, um, rescheduling, but we struggle to separate the player take element of these kinds of things from the fact that they're actually kind of strategic or should be strategic, right? I have in a vacuum players I prefer as sleepers and late round targets and all of that, but I don't take them on every team. Some may say that that's what you should do. I, I, we're not here today specifically to talk about diversification and, and portfolio management and all of that. But how do you identify the certain types of players that you should be taking, whether it be on certain teams? Or how do you identify that guy? Maybe you do want to take that stand. You say, look, I'm going to draft 150 teams into Best Ball Mania, or, or I'm going to draft 10 teams into Best Ball Mania. Right? I'm only going to spend a few hundred bucks on this Best Ball thing, or at least on Best Ball Mania. On on underdog or in the DraftKings Millie Maker or in the Drafters Best Ball Championship? I'm gonna draft X amount of teams. We always say 150, but like eh, most people don't really draft 150. I'm gonna draft X amount of teams, 10, 20, 50. How do I identify what this like late round unicorn is, right? This sleeper, this late round target. How do I even find the ones that I should be taking? There's a million guys back there right there's guys that go undrafted. we kind of jumped the shark this offseason, I think on the late round thing specifically not as much on some of the other stuff but we jumped the shark a little bit on the late round um i I don't mind actually calling it a sleeper but I kind of re redefined um what I would classify as as a uh as a sleeper let me uh just pull this up here on old you see 2022 sleepers, right? It is okay to like this sleeper name has kind of gotten, uh, out of control, but I think it's okay to like call these guys sleepers, but it's also important to maybe redefine specifically for best ball. What the hell does a sleeper even mean? Right. And so I kind of dove in, I won't like recite this article for you. Um, but it helped outline kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about here, right? When last year, if you were able to find the Eli Mitchells and the C Pats and those guys that are like going undrafted or not drafted on every on every team, at least for us, a, a certain period of time, that's a sleeper, right? The like twelfth round pick that you think is undervalued is not really a sleeper. Um, and I kind of talked through some of those guys I, I like here. You see uh this is free, so I don't mind, you know, Matt Corral, Chris Evans, and um Zay Jones were my three guys that I outlined here. But you guys are hitting on some of these other kind of perfect um perfect, you know, subjects as it as it pertains to these these late round stuff, late round guys. So anyway, um What's up, Nick? Thank you, Tony, for hitting the uh, Voldemort, the Voldemort of this of this YouTube channel. Shout out, shout out, Donovan. But um, I was going to say before I distracted myself with this sleeper term is, you know, we dove headfirst into this off season, right? Best Ball mania opens up in early May. DraftKings launches. Drafters launches. There's so much stuff out there. And we started diving into a bunch of great stuff, a bunch of really like important strategic bullet points. But we didn't like, we almost skipped over this part about like, who should, who should I be taking in the late rounds? How do I figure out who even to take in those late rounds? Right. Do I like people talk a lot about, Oh, take the guy that doesn't get draft. Right. We're looking for uniqueness. I need uniqueness. So take the guys that don't get picked in every draft. It's like I actually uh, I've subscribed to that. I'm totally cool with that. But like, what does that what does that what does that mean? Uh, in this article, I talk about Matt Corral, right? Taking Tommy Tremble doesn't get doesn't get drafted, right? Some people might not even know who Tommy Tremble is. Tommy Tremble is a tight end for the Carolina Panthers. If I have a, a Panther stack and I want to take this sleeper, now I'm going to take Matt Corral. I'm going to take Matt Corral in the 17th round on underdog. And then I'm going to stack him with Tommy Tremble in the 18th round. Why? Those guys, that's unique. And look, somebody told me Matt Corral is a sleeper. And Tommy Tremble is a guy that doesn't get drafted. And he correlates. Right? With the with this this team. I'm sticking him, stacking Tommy Tremble with Matt Corral. And, oh, guess what? the Week 17 bros are going to love me because I got I got Mike Evans on this team. But Week 17 stack, I have a sleeper, a good sleeper that someone told me, and I took a unique player at at tight end. Perfect team. But, like, is it? I mean, I, if somebody wanted to tell me that, that they drafted that team, I think that's fine. But I think that's not how I would go about discovering my... Uh, You know, late round, late round targets. I think that's probably taking things a little bit, a little bit too far. Um, But it is lumped into all those other things we've already like it's June. God damn it. I really need to start remembering the dates. It's June 10th. And we've like already deep dived on all this stuff, right? Week 17 stacking correlation. Um. ADPs have been like smashed into efficiency by the by they probably already been there. Um, You know, the the guys that were inefficiently priced got steamed up. The guys who were terribly priced got pushed down. All these different things have like not been figured out by any stretch of the imagination. There's tons of things for us to still learn over the course of this summer. But everybody has to deal with this late round thing. And I think it's the most difficult portion of the draft to make your decisions in you could almost like have a soup the have rankings and have like a super basic decision tree i guess i would call it for the first like 12 rounds and you could like make a good team like my wife or my mom could probably make a good team based off of just some rankings and like some like i said a decision tree or like a very basic thing that says if you did this do this if you did this do that and be like, okay, through 12 rounds or whatever, good team. I, I don't really think it's that difficult. Uh, I was on Chip Chasing this this Wednesday night, um, which shout out to those guys. If you missed that, um, just search Chip Chasing on YouTube or um, whatever podcast app you use. It was a really fun show. I thought it was um, really informative as well. I'm biased. But um, Pete Overzet mentioned uh, something very similar on that. He started talking about, like through the first, like say five rounds, maybe even six rounds or something. Like you, like can't screw it up. Like I guess if you took five straight running backs, you know, like definitely through the first like three rounds, you you can't, you, you can't unless you like take Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes probably. In the, like the first three rounds, you like can't screw up these drafts, right? So what does that mean? It means all these other things, correlation, stacking, right? Structure, blah, 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 all the bullshit that we we've talked about for a long time now. But when what's like what seems to happen is we skip over the and we'll talk about the late round guys, right? Oh, just correlate them. Just right, you get to the 17th and 18th round. Whoever fits your stack, just draft that guy. Right? Or draft the young player or draft the unique player right we have those but that's like skipping the step of well what like do i draft tommy trembles unique and he fits my team and he fits my structure is he a good pick i don't know probably not because we might have skipped a bunch of other steps before we get there like was trey mcbride available and you have a falcon you know you have you have uh uh some falcons or something like that there's a there's a a process of finding these guys. And I certainly do not have all the answers. I'm going to put that out there right away. But I think I wanted to have this chat, almost like a free and open discussion. You guys already started hitting on some of the things. And then I'm going to pull up a couple of the pieces um, that have been written on the website and kind of highlight some of the guys that can get our brain juices flowing for like, how do we even think about finding those guys, right? Like it's a little funky right now. Maybe I should have waited until, (laughs) <laughs> some of these free agents sign because it's still a little funky right now because you have like the Will Fullers and Julio Joneses and such of the world that are like going super late. So that's um, one caveat to this. I'm going to ignore those guys for right now during this conversation because I think how you handle them is um, like a whole nother, kind of a whole nother conversation um, separate separate from this. But so let's hit a couple of these points from the points from the chat. Number one, totally agree with this. Love this from Hectic Electric. I think this is probably what I would also start with. Like I mentioned a decision tree for like drafting. If I were starting like a decision tree um, for late round players, Ambiguous situations is certainly near the top, if not at the top. Um, Kyle mentions a great example, maybe the best example from last season of an ambiguous, an extremely ambiguous situation. And this is, I love, I love that you mentioned this particular player because it's going to lead me into the next um, kind of bullet point on these late, late round guys which, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up a couple of these articles and trying to do this at the same time is apparently difficult for me. Um, There's also so much, we have so much content on the website now. It's freaking crazy. It's absolutely crazy how much content is up here now. So ambiguous situations, I think, yeah, is right there at the top for things to start, like I said, your decision tree on your on your late round players right if you get to the late rounds and you have um let me try to think about one of these situations that's absolutely not ambiguous right um piggybacking off of that panthers example let's flip it over to the other side with the tampa bay buccaneers who they're playing in that week 17 game right you you can you could hit a lot of the um, bullet points, and this is someone that I've been thinking about some of these types of guys lately, and so this is why this person comes up to me. And someone mentioned it either on Twitter or in chat or something. I apologize for forgetting who brought this up, but they mentioned Jalen Darden, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, partially because he's getting some some camp hype, right? And sure, maybe maybe he does end up winning that like fourth wide receiver job for for the Bucks, right? But that this is that's not an ambi- that's an ambiguous situation on like is Jalen Darden gonna make the gonna make the 53 man roster? That's what's ambiguous about Jalen Darden. And sure, I'm not saying don't ever like think about those guys. I'm sure I have, I'm sure I have plenty of guys like that in my portfolio that are like have cut risk. But that's not an ambiguous situation. The Buccaneers are not an ambiguous situation other than Gronk, which I think everyone is just assuming is going to come back. The Buccaneers have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin when he comes back, Rob Gronkowski, Russell Gage. That's the team with Cameron Bright behind Rob Gronkowski. And they have Lenny Leonard Fournette with Rashad White, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn behind him. There's nothing. There's absolutely zero ambiguous about The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The only, like I said, the only thing ambiguous about Jalen Darden or pick another Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver is are they going to make the team? (laughs) Right? This, what Kyle brings up, ambiguous, truly ambiguous was the Detroit Lions wide receivers last year. Now, shout out Michael Ione. What a great, what a fun, if you, if you don't, um, if you didn't follow best ball last year that much. Last year um, one of the best uh, minds in best ball, Mike Leone ranked had Brashad Perriman and probably Tyrell Williams too from the lions pretty high up uh, the rankings list because it's an ambiguous situation. They were the veterans, right? There was no one else (laughs) on that wide receiver roster. And, Brashad Perriman got cut from the team. Didn't even make the 53. And Tyrell Williams was basically useless. Did he even play? I can't remember. He was hurt basically the whole year. I don't even remember if he played a game. So, um, Amon Ra was like a prospect that nobody really cared about, right? I mean, I'm generalizing. I'm sure there's people out there that were standing for Amon Ra St. Brown, but he is not a transcendent prospect. His draft cap, he was a fourth round pick. His draft capital was not special. He's on a Jared goff led offense, right? It's not where, where we're projecting TJ Hawkinson, Deandre Swift or projecting run heavy, all that stuff. Nothing feels good about um, Amon Ross St. Brown, but it was ambiguous. And in an ambiguous situation, you have this late round target who the market has just decided, look, Nope, not in, I'm not interested in this one. I'm not interested in this one because, right, we're down on the Lions. We're down on uh, Goff. You know, our projections have Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams projecting for more target volume than Amon Ra. And so um, you get this guy in an ambiguous situation who ends up, you know, there's a little bit of variance that plays into it. That's just how it works. Right, Prashad Perryman getting cut, a little bit of variance. Hawkinson getting hurt, Swift getting hurt, and Amon Ra becoming kind of the man. A little bit of variance, but you have to be a certain level of good football player. Like that's what people will say with Amon Ra, and I, I go back and forth on him a little bit. But people will say with Amon Ra, like, "Oh, it's only because it is a small sample. It's only because those other guys were hurt." But like, other teams have guys get hurt. And people don't do, like, there isn't always some guy who becomes, you know, the wide receiver two over, like Amanar was the wide receiver two overall in fantasy down the stretch, I think, or one. He was, he was right up there, you know, with the cups and chase and stuff of, of the world. He was one of the Devontae's. He was a truly elite wide receiver. Not every time the other guys get hurt on, on team, to, right? DeAndre Hopkins got hurt for the Cardinals. uh You know, these other guys got hurt. For other teams, right? Chase Edmonds, James Conner on the Cardinals. Who the hell was doing what Amon Ra did? And they were a much better offense, right? So um, that's the first thing to me is the ambiguous, the ambiguous. I didn't, I did guys, guys. I literally said Brait. I mentioned Cameron Brait as um, the backup tight end to Rob Gronkowski. I also said that I'm making the assumption that Gronk is coming back. In that in that scenario, um, I understand that there is that is not a perfectly certain situation, but that's not what I would classify as an ambiguous offense. As an ambiguous um, offense, um, yeah, uh, we expect Gronk back. Yeah, definitely. Um, don't focus in too much on that exact specific. We're, talk- we're trying to talk about ambiguous situations. The Bucs are not an ambiguous offense. Is all I was really getting at. I could have maybe used a different example, um, but I just was looking at something off to the side. Um, the Chargers. There you go. Are the Chargers ambiguous? Somebody's going to tell me Jalen Guyton, I'm sure, if I were to use the Chargers example of somebody. Some- somebody who loves wind sprinters would come in and tell me Jalen Jalen Guyton point being point being, I actually don't have a problem with the Brait thing, but I'm saying right at best, there's that one spot on that team. That's slightly ambiguous. True ambiguity was the Detroit lions wide receiver group. And so what this discussion today, right is about these is about these late round picks. You guys mentioned a guy who is, I think a reasonable Cameron Brait from an ambiguity perspective at his specific position, true ambiguity is like that Detroit Lions, that Detroit Lions situation. Um, Another one, as an example for this year, that the Lions, the the one for the Lions that always jumps out to me, or like similar to the Lions, because everybody hates it, is uh, the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of parallels, (laughs) a lot of parallels, between this year's Chicago Bears and last year's Detroit Lions. It's uh, quite funny. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to work out like that, right? If it's in. It, it doesn't just because something happened last year in a similar situation actually probably means it's not going to happen this year. But you have an offense similar to the Lions that everyone hates. I mean, I... Do you like are you excited about what the Bears did this offseason? No, of course not. Are you excited how Justin Fields look looked last year? Absolutely not. No one should be. Then all they did was add nothing on offense. <laughs> no. They added Byron Pringle, a bunch of washed receivers that flame out elsewhere. I literally just learned that Dante, I believe it was Dante Pettis, is on the Chicago Bears. Equinemia St. Brown. Amon Ra's brother. So maybe this is, we're going to land, we're going to, we're going to land this one. The ad brought Byron Pringle, who everybody hates, despite the fact that he's like almost assuredly the wide receiver two on this offense, but it is ambiguous. And they drafted actually earlier than Amon Ra went from a draft capital perspective. They drafted Valus Jones, but we didn't, we don't like Valus Jones, right? And who liked Valus Jones as a prospect? Not me. Not anybody that I know, but draft capital guys, right? We do this whole thing. I love to, I love to be a dick about this, but it is always funny that draft capital matters when we say it matters. On right, so so and so goes in the first round, and we're like, oh man, but he was a first round pick, Clyde Edwards Alaire, but he was a first round pick. Chris Olave is a fairly good example. Nobody was really excited. For Chris Olave? Like, he's fine. He's totally fine. Nobody's excited for Chris Olave. But then one NFL team decides. Boom. Draft capital. Chris Olave. So now, we're like, okay. He got the draft capital. But as we move down just a smidge in the draft to even like the second or third round, guys will get the draft capital that we did not expect, but we don't like them. Like, we absolutely hate Valus Jones. So... He doesn't even get drafted in a lot of drafts. He doesn't even get drafted. Despite the fact he could literally be the wide receiver too for a team. He's a rookie. Granted, he's almost my age. Very old rookie. And so, like, I get all the I get all the hate about Vayless Jones. I'm not like betting on his career arc. But like, it's an ambiguous situation. We're just assuming Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney are gonna like. Do everything. David Montgomery. Like those are not special players. I like Darnell Mooney for what it's worth. And I'm fine with Cole Komet. But these are not special players. The situation is absolutely ambiguous. Also, Justin Fields was a quarterback last year. We were excited about. Top pick. High upside. High ceiling. Has all the tools. But this ambiguous situation now. We just write that one off like we did with the Lions last year. So, as, uh. As hectic says, Valis. Valis, Pringle. Do you? May, may, like I said, we're we're gonna land this one. Last year was Amon Ra in the ambiguous situation on the shitty offense that nobody wanted, absolutely nobody wanted. Now it's his brother, Equinemius, He just needed to get away from Rogers into a situation where the quarterback respects, you know, non-veterans over to chicago where the situation is ambiguous and ambiguous equinemius. say that one 10 times fast that's what we're on you guys have brought up some some uh some other crates also uh shout out pangs adam rank apparently likes Valus, so we found one valas truther uh let's see jason giants wide receivers awesome example everything uh, on the giants outside of saquon Literally everything outside of Saquon. Pretty pretty sure there's nothing ambiguous in my opinion about Saquon Barkley as the lead running back for the Giants. Outside of the of that, you tell me who is going to get the most. You tell me who's even necessarily going to play for for the Giants wide receiver core because they have Kenny Galladay, they have Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. Wandale Robinson, five guys, only, you know, three or four of them can be on the field at once. Then, who is the handcuff to Saquon Barkley? Matt Breida seems to be it. Is that a guarantee? No, it's not ambiguous. Tight end. Everybody had been assuming it was Ricky Seals Jones. Shout out to me. I had been assuming it was Daniel Bellinger. Like, this matters. I've taken Daniel Bellinger, like, in, like, two drafts out of 100-something. That's uh, my favorite, to victory lap. Like, <clears throat> see, I told you. And I did this on Twitter. I'm a bad, I'm a bad person. Um, see, I told you. I told you it was Daniel Bellinger, not Ricky Seals-Jones. Well, were you, were you drafting Daniel Bellinger? Well, no. But I told you that's what it was. It's like, well, who gives a fuck? You didn't do anything. All you was throw shit at the wall. If you were wrong, you never would have said anything. That was me. That's what I did. So you have the Giants. The market has assumed what Tony Galladay, and the the market has uh, it's gotten a little bit tighter on Wandale, but Wandale is still super cheap. And Wandale had the draft capital and Wandale had the college production. The only thing, the literally the only issue for Wandale is like size. He's little, he's tiny. And I agree with that issue as well. Right? Same thing with Valus. I, I have concerns about Valus just like everybody else does. I have concerns about Wandale's size like everybody else does. But every, But that's baked in. It's more than baked in. And then you put them in ambiguous situations. And it's like, I'm just going to take my shots on those guys. Right. If you wanted to say your preference in this situation was Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, coming off an injury, very serious injury, we know, we all know, older guy, that's a scary bet to make. But all Sterling Shepard does when he plays football is perform. And now we have a new, smarter coach, right? And maybe the health thing is fine. I have no idea. I have typically personally myself leaned more into Wandale, but like it could be any of these guys. It could be Darius Slayton. Maybe Kenny Galladay is dust and it's Darius Slayton. I don't know, but that's the point of ambiguity. Um, I think Patriots wide receivers is another good one that Josh brings up. I mean, Jacoby Myers has been a target, fairly serious target dominator. He just doesn't score (laughs) score any touchdowns but now right Kendrick Bourne actually really was a pretty incredible uh no pun intended spike week player last year like four games over 20 points or something like so. um I'm uh, not sure if I'm remembering accurately but it was a bunch and then they add Devonte Parker Nelson Aguilar is still there what a hilarious contract and they spent a second round pick on Taekwon Thornton You have Hunter Henry, and you have John New Smith. So even more than just the wide receiver core, all of the pass catchers. And you tell me who's going to be the pass-catching running back. I assume James White. James White could get cut. They drafted a bunch of more running backs. And they have Damian Harrison and Ramondre Stevenson, right? The whole Patriots offense, honestly. Talk about ambiguity. The whole Patriots offense. I don't know. If Ramondre just like kind of took the lead from Damian Harris, would you be surprised? Or if Damian Harris was the lead and James White was the was the pass catching back and Ramondre like never played, would you be surprised? If these rookies, if Pierre Strong came on and like got to play a little bit, would you be surprised? Probably a little bit surprised, but we're drafting other running backs, <laughs> you know, uh, in 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 late rounds. If if Tyquan Thornton was like playing, if Devontae Parker wasn't even playing, and it was. Born, rookie Taquan Thornton with Jacoby Myers in the slot and three wide receiver sets. Would you be surprised? It's a second round pick. And Kendrick Bourne has outperformed Devontae Parker. Would you be surprised? Would you be surprised if Taekwond Thornton never played? No. Perfect example of all of this is it's ambiguous. How, you tell me. But those are the those are the ones to attack because the market has to doesn't have to. The market prices the ambiguous situations uh, t- typically it's going to end up being inefficient. We're not typically going to be perfectly accurate on this because the real answer is that no one knows we can project it as best as we can, but no one actually really knows the answer. And so because we don't know, those are great situations to attack because there's profit to be had somewhere. As long as we're willing to accept the fact that like, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm drafting Kendrick Bourne. I am. I'm drafting Kendrick Bourne on teams. It's an ambiguous situation and he also then there's reasons to take him just based off of historical performance. But like it's 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 kind of weird because they're kind of like the Patriots are being treated like a really shitty offense. I'm really happy you brought up the the Patriots offense Josh. Shout out to you. The Patriots from a price perspective are being treated like they're horrible, right? Let me uh, pull something up here really fast. Try and share my screen. And go to... Uh, it is It is so funny that um, Kendrick Bourne is a Spike Week player. That is so wild. Let me go to... Uh, here, we can test drive a little bit of a ADP... Some, some of our ADP tools that we got coming here. So here's, um, I can go and pull up, let's just look on underdog for 2022 and I go to New England. Okay, now let's look. Let's look at New England. Oh, good Lord. I got to X out some of these guys. Let's get rid of Aguilar and Hoyer and Nikhil Harry and Devin Asi Get rid of some of these guys, JJ Taylor. There's Trey Nixon, Ah oh, Bailey Zappi. Um, Let me just, like I said, get rid of a few of these guys. But look how many goddamn names there are. Mac? Okay, so this is wild, isn't it? Even after I X out all the, uh, you know, useless Patriots players, we've got a whole mess load of of, uh, Patriots players, you know, kind of being drafted except Trey Nixon. I am going to click off Trey Nixon. The highest ADP player... On the Patriots offense is Damian Harris currently on underdog going to pick 96.5. The made the playoffs. What did they finish in, uh, in like offensive DVOA? I gotta pull that up now. Offense ninth. The Patriots were ninth in the NFL last year in DVOA offense. So they were a top 10 offense in the NFL. The most expensive player on the entire offense is 96.5, Damian Harris. So, like, you want to talk about ambiguous situations. See, we just had to talk through it a little bit. You want to talk about ambiguous situations to attack? The the team is going to be a good offense. What does that totally mean for fantasy? I don't I don't really know. But we saw it mean. Damian Harris was on a lot of winning teams last year. Ramondre was on winning teams last year because he had some spikes. Kendrick Bourne had a bunch of spikes. Jacoby Myers, maybe a little bit better suited for PPR, but Jacoby Myers was just rocking out double-digit point weeks every week despite never scoring a touchdown. And Hunter Henry was pretty much of a smash at at tight end, right? Where's Hunter Henry here? Going, that's Devontae Parker. Hunter Henry, pick 154. Pick 154. You can't tell me that they're, this this ambiguous situation is not one to target the like the lions thing the bears thing a lot of those other uh offenses are like a little bit more reason to kind of you can see right look the bet is is not just that it's ambiguous the bet is that this offense stinks and it's ambiguous so even if you get it right on the guy that gets to play or maybe produces a little bit more it's still not going to be worth it because the offense stinks is the bet on the bat is the 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 reason for the market being the way that it is on the bad ambiguous team right this is a good ambiguous team this is like the 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 cream of the crop in terms of late round guys to go after you get the the young which i'm going to get to in a second you get the young and or productive players on the good offenses where it's ambiguous. I mean, we should be real about Hunter Henry at pick 154. That's pretty crazy, right? Honestly, even look, I know, I know Mac Jones is not sexy. Not, I mean, the dad bod, the walk, the gif is clearly not sexy. Not that I know about sexiness. But like, we're taking a lot of quarterbacks in front of Mac, in front of Mac Jones, second-year quarterback who was pretty good as a rookie uh, on, again, a good, efficient offense. What if just some of those Damian Harris rushing touchdowns go to Mac Jones? There's We, we draft a lot of other quarterbacks that don't run much higher than this on offenses that aren't really that much better. Um, let's see who else is here. And there, yeah, there's good old Kendrick Bourne almost, almost at pick 200. Barely being drafted. You know, that's crazy. Taekwon Thornton is down here somewhere. James White down here. Johnny Smith is down here. Where is Taekwon? Maybe not even freaking showing up. He's just all the way down here, like not getting drafted. Maybe he's the purple. No, that's Kevin Harris. Let's see. Oh, there he is, green. Taekwon's around, you know, pick 215. Second round pick in an ambiguous situation. Second round draft capital, ambiguous situation. Young player. All you have to do is beat out Nelson Aguilar and Devontae Parker. Come on. Undrafted. Does not get drafted. If you just did this, I bet, went through each of the ambiguous situations and then walked through it kind of like we're walking through it, you'd be like, this is how this this is how I could find my best late my best late round targets, in my opinion. Mac Jones averaged like 32 rush yards per year in college. Where are these rushing TDs coming from? Uh, I don't know if I misspoke. I just said, what if Damien Harris doesn't score the goal line touchdowns and like Mac gets them pa- passing, not running? I uh, I definitely do not think Mac Jones is going to be going to be uh, going to be running. Uh, but sorry, that's my fault if I said that. If I said that wrong, uh, words are hard sometimes, especially when you're talking. Just like spewing bullshit about Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne for an hour. Sometimes you uh, slip up a little bit. (laughs) FSN Edwards says, wow, all that time I spent on my ADP graph yesterday and today. uh, And then I come to this, I'm dead. Yeah. um, Perfect time for, for a little, a little teaser. Um, Very, 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 very soon. We're actually going to announce when we're going live with all this stuff later today. Um, and you, but but you can see here on my screen we have ADP charts so you can you can compare you'll be able to compare all of the sites ADP on Underdog Drafters and DraftKings individual players you could go look go see the differences between them uh, the team one just happened to work for this conversation that we're having right I can go into each individual round so I'll select like I can, again same thing you saw me select like the Underdog uh, 2022 season we also have the like all the what I would classify as a uh, as slates here it's not. Sh- showing up for me but um there's you, you'll be able to see like there's backyard best ball on here there's the super flex contest if you were in the super flex for before rookies and sophomores you'll be able to see adp over time for every single best ball contest that comes that comes about um again you can see here by contest the individual players the individual players across all the sites um and then the 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 teams right so this this just happened to be the perfect example to look to investigate an individual team and see just how unbelievably cheap the patriot the patriots are. Um, and then we also have like a some some tournament right stuff. So um, before we move on to the second part, Peng says, uh, "I still find the Chiefs are ambiguous and expensive. You could easily be betting on the wrong player, like Juju." or sky and Kelsey is the only fairly incorrectly priced guy in the grand scheme. I agree. The chiefs are a very interesting, ambiguous situation in that. Obviously there's really no late round targets. We're specifically discussing kind of the late round targets thing. And so that's what makes, that's what makes this interesting, right? We just went through an offense. Like we walk through all these examples that everybody was throwing out. And then we get to this Patriots thing and like, boom, one team, good offense, Literally every, like almost every touch, every target, every carry, everything is ambiguous. We don't know who's going to be on the field. Like maybe outside of a couple guys, right? Like if Demon Harris got traded or something, we, it, that wouldn't be crazy. You know, if, if I don't know, I would be pretty surprised if one of the receivers got traded, but who knows? It, it It's, it's so unbelievably ambiguous that it leads you to like, well, but it's priced like a shitty ambiguous team because it is kind of so ambiguous. But we have a a general idea on some of these guys. And so then you go to the flip side. Obviously, again, not really a late round target thing as it pertains to the Chiefs, but it's a good counterpoint that you have the Chiefs, who it is assumed that they're just going to keep on rolling and be the Chiefs. And you have, like, five, six guys that all go between the fifth and the 11th round or whatever. Uh, Basically, every non-Kelsey Mahomes player all goes from Juju down to, what, MVS Rojo. Hardman, I guess. Uh, We'll just pull it up. I don't know why I'm just sitting here freaking talking about it. We'll just pull up the Chiefs. Here's the Chiefs. Um, Obviously... Ignore some of these scrubs down here at the bottom. But com- like, like think it. Of- look at this. Compare this to what we saw with the Patriots, right? So you have Travis Kelsey up here as a first round pick. And then we have, uh, you know, fourth round pick. And then we have a fifth round pick. And then we have a, you know, seventh round pick and an eighth round pick and a ninth round pick and a 10th and 11th round pick. So the whole offense goes before the 11th round. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't, to be clear. This isn't me saying anything about the Chiefs or what you should do with the Chiefs, but when we're viewing it through this late round lens, you see that the assumption by the market is the Chiefs are going to be awesome and we want to bet on all these dudes and we want to pay a a decent premium for all of them, right? We We can discuss exactly how they should all be priced and that's for a different show. But every relevant player on the Chiefs goes in the first 11 rounds. then when we're trying to start identifying these late round guys, we can also look at these individual, at these team by team things. And you say, well, that's funny because every Patriots player goes after round 11. (laughs) It's like, they're like the total opposite. And again, run heavy, blah, blah, blah. I get all that, but it's probably going a little bit too far on the Patriots side. So then in turn, those guys become really good late round targets late round targets for us working on it, Edward. I promise. David says, are we just ignoring an obvious league winner in Harris? Like last year, if we get guys like Fournette and Harris that we are worried about, but end up being the guy, they seem like extreme value. Same can be said for Penny and Walker, whichever guy it is. Seems like an extreme value. I think, um, yeah, that's funny. Edward says, uh, uh, David Ramondre would like to have a word with you. No, but I think, Um, they're ambiguous. That's actually kind of a great point about what we're trying to discuss with the ambiguous situation. And we spent most of this talking about ambiguity, but I actually think it's kind of good because it's probably the driving force between all this. And I want to get to a couple other little bullet bullet points here in these last 15 minutes. So we'll move on from the Patriots, but they're just been a really good example to, to talk through. Um, But just to answer your question, David, I I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're ignoring. I think if you wanted to argue, (laughs) I think if you wanted to, sorry, Tony's comment got me. I think if you wanted to um, argue like exactly where Damien Harris should be priced, I think that's more, that's more than reasonable. But I think the whole situation is completely ambiguous. They have like five running backs. (laughs) They have a million running backs. Damien Harris could get traded. Right. That's what some some people like almost kind of believe that that would. Ha- Why did they draft these running backs? James White's coming back. Right. James White could have gone anywhere else. And they drafted Ramon last year. So there's warning signs. But to your point, again, at, at the ship chasing episode that we did on. Uh, Wednesday, we actually drafted Damien Harris, and I'm not really drafting Damien Harris. But to your point, when certain guys in these ambiguous situations fall, that's a great time to take them. It's a great time, great time to take. Uh, This is also very funny. I'll hit on this here in this, in this next bullet point. Let me uh, share. Oh crap. Here we go. Sorry, too many tabs open. I'm trying to. uh... So if I were to, this was mostly, this article was mostly talking about, obviously as you, You guys can read the title maximizing playoff upside for best ball tournaments. As we know, we don't need to talk about the week 17 thing, but the playoffs are extremely important. And how do we go about finding the guys that are um, great bets for the playoffs? Well, I think that that's some of these bullet points are not just relevant for like playoff upside, but they're relevant for figuring out who to target in the late rounds particularly when you combine it with everything we just talked about for, for a half hour or whatever on ambiguous situations. When you get into these couple other bullet points you see here, if you're watching on the screen, if you're not, if you're listening to the, to the audio, maximizing upside, it would be three different bullet points I would lump it into. And it's youth, contingent value, and correlation. And that's how I also think about my late round picks Especially when you target the ambiguous stuff, it doesn't always have to be ambiguous. I mean, in theory, <laughs> we don't want it to be ambiguous. We want the guy, which is this is actually kind of what Tony is is getting at here. He says, "Talk about the cover guy. If you didn't see the thumbnail, or if you didn't know who that was, the cover guy on the thumbnail is Nico Collins, and he's a great example also of this, um, but little less ambiguous." he plays more into these other elements that I think are important, right? He's not really ambiguous. I think we're all pretty confident that Brandon Cooks is going to be one starting wide receiver. Nico Collins is going to be other starting wide receiver. Assuming health, John Metchie will be in the slot for the Texans. Brevin Jordan will be the tight end. The backfield is ambiguous for Houston. That's very ambiguous. But nothing else is really that ambiguous. We could also probably fairly accurately project target shares between Cooks. Nico, um, Mechie, and, and Brevin, like relatively speaking. So it's really not that ambiguous. But what it, – it's a little ambiguous in that Brandon Cooks is really good, but Brandon Cooks is not Devontae Adams. So there's, there's more upward growth that can happen. So from an am- ambiguity perspective, Nico and Mechie and Jordan and those guys do have more growth than someone playing with, you know, Devontae Adams or whatever. Um, you know, you, you play with Justin Jefferson, there's just only so many targets left after Justin Jefferson and after Devontae Adams. And so it's uh it's a different kind of ambiguous situation. But if we're if we're able to identify these other things, Nico Collins, youth, yeah. So youth, youth is I used youth for a reason because people want to want to say rookies or people want to say second year players. Or whatever. I, I, I just think I, I don't even know what I would classify as youth. Maybe sometimes it's a third year player, but some right somewhere in that rookie, second year, third year, whatever this youthful player, however you want to call that. Nico Collins got that slight ambiguous situation. So he's kind of got a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, good luck ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. it says, uh, drink every time Eric says ambiguous. Okay. I've probably said it about a hundred times on this <clears throat> on this episode. So uh, I hope you're drinking <laughs> Boone's farm or something. Not uh, not anything too crazy. But you so you have uh, going back to Nico, Nico Collins, I think Nico Collins is a really good one, obviously. Tony in the chat, winner of the DraftKings Millie Maker last year, is all in on Nico Collins and like freaking 80% or something like that. But he has these other things that that we can look at in our in our late-round picks. He is a youthful player. We know that youthful p- youth allows for a bunch of things. In this article, in particular, it discusses kind of growth over the course of the season like we saw from Amon Ra Ra was you know part of it was they had the the hawkinsons and swifts of the world healthy part of it was he's a rookie takes a little time most rookies don't come in and just set the world on fire in week one justin jefferson wasn't even starting for the minnesota vikings in week one in his rookie season he eventually started setting the world on fire but sometimes it just takes a little time right for the rookie to get acclimated to the nfl whatever So that youth in this, um, which, which is also totally fine for best ball, right? If we don't get John Mechie going nuts or Nico Collins going nuts in week two, that's okay. They're late round picks. That's why we're talking about late round picks. But youth also creates this uncertainty, which creates upside. That's usually what creates upside. People, people misuse upside, I think, all the time. The reason why like, youth is something we categorize as upside is because youthful players have typically not done it yet. <clears throat> they haven't reached a ceiling yet, right? It's not really upside to Devontae Adams. not really upside to Travis Kelsey. There's just a floor or whatever, assuming health. And even then, older players, the floor just drops out when it goes, it goes. The when, when someone hasn't done something yet is when they have the upside. Now, if you've played for a long time and you haven't done it, you probably just stink. But when you've, especially if you've maybe flashed a little bit or you have some draft capital or you have some uh, measurables or whatever, right? Combine all these different things. Obviously, flashed with some form of, of uh, data backed uh, reason to, to to back this person. But the youth, because you haven't done it yet, is part of what that creates uncertainty, which creates upside. So anyway, if you can combine the, I won't say it again, roll it, I promise, the uncertain situation with the youth, it's almost like the perfect thing because that's what happened with Amon Ra. You get the, the youthful player who, <clears throat> because... We haven't seen him, you know, NFL level. Who we don't know what he is as an NFL player yet, as opposed to the six-year player who just kind of is what he is. There's not a ceiling really to to access. Generally speaking. Guys can break out and stuff you know, growth is not linear, etc. But Aman Ra was the perfect combination between there's plenty of ways for him to earn a huge role on that offense. The same thing exists for Nico Collins. Look, Brandon Cooks is awesome. He's going to probably continue to just be good, but Brandon Cooks is not such a detriment from a target perspective that someone else like Nico Collins can't break out and just destroy, crush through a ceiling that... As a what is he? What is he going? Sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth round for for what we should project as the probably the wide receiver two for the Texans. On the flip side, if you prefer to take the bet on the sec, early second round pick of this year, rookie who really got draft capital, <clears throat> more draft capital than Sky Moore. More draft capital than who we talked about earlier, Wandale Robinson, Tyquan Thornton. More draft capital than David Bell, Jalen Tolbert. All these guys that we're drafting in front of him. John Mechie has a slot role lockdown. Awesome draft cap- draft capital. It's just we're down on the Texans. So he like doesn't even ha- – like, like I said, if you could get rid of the the uncertainty of the situation – and you can now start to pile up these things. You would actually prefer that it wasn't uncertain, you know, because then it's there's a there's a little bit more of a of a floor at least built in for that player. You know, John Messi's not gonna get cut. Like Nelson Aguilar could get cut. But the youth combined with that is like a perfect indicator for somebody to go after in the late rounds, right? And so the Texans have two of them. They're my favorite example for sure. That's why I put Nico on there. The Texans have their entire starting offense besides Brandon Cooks goes super late. You can get Nico Collins. You can get John Mechie. If you prefer the tight end side of things, you can get Brevin Jordan. So you have, you don't even have the uncertain part of it. They're going to play. These dudes are going to play. These dudes are going to get targets, but you, but you do have the youth. Right, and on here, I'm not going to get into the, the 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 correlation thing too much, but you can use some like the, the optimal way to 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 do this is if you can find the the ambiguous situation and you can find the youth, and then you can correlate it within your team. Right, I took Tyree Kill in the second round. Now when I get to the 18th round, Tyquan Thornton, boom. If I'm deciding between Taekwon Thornton. And Nico Collins or Kendrick Bourne and Nico Collins on a team with Tyree Kill. It's like I'm gonna choose the Patriots side of things. If I have Travis Etienne on that team and no Dolphins, then I want to choose Nico Collins, John Mechie, whatever. And so playing that correlation game is something we can do. But it's the kind of the last deciding factor to me amongst, amongst these things. The other Point to touch on here in just the last couple of minutes, which sort of um it's like an extra leg on your parlay for these, those cup first couple of uh, you know, the uncertain situation. The sec the <laughs> ambiguous is the new uh it's the second Voldemort. Voldemort's son is uh the word ambiguous. We don't, we don't uh <laughs> We don't uh, ask people to like and subscribe here. And we no longer say ambiguous. So I'm going to have to come up with some new, some new phrases for those. But the last thing, just to cover a little bit fairly quickly, is this idea of contingent value. Contingent value is a lot more applicable to running backs. And we mostly talked about wide receivers here, right? But running backs can oftentimes make for some of the best late round picks. And a lot of that has to do with the contingent value. You can also find youth um, a little less of the uncertain situations <laughs> late. I mean, because if, if a running back situation was, was even remotely certain, they wouldn't go in the 18th round because of just how the running back market works. But you can get a lot more of the youth and contingent value side of things. Um, here. Oh, and I forgot I was going to share my screen really fast. With another article here. Oh, no. Um, late round rookie running back handcuffs for 2022 fantasy football. You'll see a couple of these awesome examples of this. that do have a little bit of uncertainty um baked in and that's why they're going where they're going but by one of our wonderful one of our absolutely wonderful writers um john fuller who is just awesome if you you ever see him anything posted from him on the website make sure you read it typically i'm a little more focused on the rookies uh side side of things uh, and that's why i like to lean on him because i'm not a rookie expert but this is a perfect example of the contingent value thing. Wide receivers can have contingent value for sure. That's why sometimes we'll draft the wide receiver four on a team. I mean, Taequann Thornton was an example. It could possibly have some some uh, contingent value. Why will we draft? I, I say this all the time. Uh, from last year, I was drafting so much Colin Johnson because it was a little bit of a... That, that, that's a how can this go wrong? <laughs> Take the guys that I was taking in late rounds. Darrington Evans was an awesome contingent bet. Uh, and some people thought that was uncertain. I didn't really think that was uncertain with him as the backup. I was taking so much. Darrington Evans obviously made that a big part of my brand last year. That was a, a massive, massive failure. And um, Colin Johnson was a guy who I ended up taking quite a bit of, again, a somewhat of an uncertain situation. Not really, but somewhat. Um, and he was actually running with the ones in camp. I remember that. That was so funny. Uh, Colin Johnson was running with the ones in camp, and he got, he got cut. He didn't even make the team, but I was drafting a a bunch of him. But it was also a little bit because of the contingent value thing. It was like the jet, like he. We had the uncertainty, and then we had um, something happens. Like Marvin Jones, you could you could be looking at like a wide receiver one here on an offense. I know it looks bad now. We were not that down on the Jags last year. Uh, I mean, look at like where Christian Kirk is going now, whatever. You could have had that value or something from, from that pick. And then same thing, the running backs is, is much easier for the contingent bet to, uh, to work. Right. Uh, We talked about the giants wide receivers, the giants wide receivers could be a reasonable contingent bet, right? Darius Slayton may not even start. Right. But if he gets on the field flashes a little bit day ball, unlocks this offense, he could he could work out he could work out fine, but the contingencies come a lot more on the running back side of things, right? Because it's a lot more one for one replacement. And as you see on here, right, Tyrion Davis Price. Okay, <laughs> it's just, it's probably already over for Trey for Trey Sermon, and so Eli Mitchell is the guy. Plus, we're we're assuming Debo is going to uh, we're going to see some less carries, right? We're we're assuming that's part of the reason why Debo uh, was held, was holding out. He did report to camp. Well, kind of reported to camp. Weird situation. But Eli Mitchell is basically the only thing stopping Tyrion Davis Price from like being a smash, right? And so he has the youth. He doesn't as much, maybe a little bit, have that uncertain situation. But he absolutely has the contingent value. And so, like I said, it's a little bit more on the running back side. You get this, then you get it into you know, then you go through the offense thing like we went through. Right. We went through Giants offense. We went through Chiefs offense. We went through Patriots offense. You go through the 49ers offense. You're like, would you like a running back on the on the 49ers? Yeah. Would you like a rookie running back with third round draft capital? Uh, and this kind of contingent value, and maybe even a little standalone value. It's like, I don't know. That all sounds pretty good to me. So boom, there's there's Tyrion Davis Price. Uh uh, you guys have mentioned a bunch in uh in in the chat here. Uh, oh my God, where how did I how did I miss it? Where'd it go? uh tony mentions the second guy here on this but has haskins right kind of same thing if something happens to derrick henry it's like this it's not the same bet as darrington evans last year but look what happened with um uh oh my god deonta foreman last year after uh the big dog got hurt he's awesome he's absolutely awesome so if you can get that uh you know late in late in drafts would you want that i don't know i sure would henry got hurt last year he's getting older Off a serious injury, he was less efficient when he came back last year. Like, That's almost entirely a contingent bet, right? Not super uncertain. Definitely doesn't have standalone value, but he has the youth and the contingency. Hassan Haskins does. Um, Brian Robinson, again, you see here a little bit of a similar thing. You guys mentioned Keontae Ingram um, in the chat. Let me see here. Yeah, so this is really funny. I did want to point this out, Jason. Uh, Abram Smith is uh, – it was an interesting name that, that you guys brought up. I have no, no issue with that. But uh, the question was, didn't Abram Smith get the most guaranteed UDFA money? Uh, I'm pretty sure um, Abram Smith got like it, – it's still such, such a small amount of – hold on. Let's see what we can just find. Abram Smith contract. this is wonderful content here I'm trying to find it but i i just uh, i like him the most out of all out of all of those guys i uh i wouldn't uh i wouldn't go too too crazy because once like th- that money is fine, but that's not like following the money. The UDFA money is not like following the money on like a uh, uh, Christian Kirk. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a totally reasonable thing. To, like, I think he's going to have the first shot, but like, if he's not better than another UDFA, like it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's not that much money. Um, there was a couple questions. Brian Robinson has spike week potential. Ron Rivera really likes two running backs. I agree with that. This is funny. Heard speculation that Trey Sermon could emerge as the best fit in a Trey Sermon offense. Not likely, but in a Trey Lance offense. Okay. Okay. I get it now in a Trey Lance offense. Yeah. Um, I think Mitchell is definitely a uh, better fit, but I'm not an expert. I'm absolutely not an expert. I like this. If you're in BBM now, you can take some Abram to wait for that ruling on, uh, Kamara, Mike says Slayton is likely getting cut for the Giants. I definitely that's it's in the range. Definitely in the range. Um, I'm trying not to predict cuts too much, but it uh, it's something to keep it like that's absolutely a risk. I also think with Darius Slayton, like he would only be getting cut because they got too many other dudes. Somebody would scoop Darius Slayton. So um, you know, I don't want him getting cut, of course, but. Um, it's a little, a little less of a concern for him, maybe like less of a concern for him than when like Brashad Perriman got cut, I guess I would say, or Colin Johnson. or when Colin Johnson got cut, because uh, I just think we have a little bit better a football player, and he w- it would be more of like a squeeze by numbers situation as to why he got cut. Um. So real quick, I'm gonna, uh, I sh- I showed this. I showed this on um, <clears throat> ship chasing and I've been kind of teasing some stuff in on Twitter and Discord, whatever. But uh, just because you guys came and hung out with me here on this random Friday afternoon, I wanted to show you a little bit of the the tools again as well. This is actually looking at my drafters. Because my dra- I'm doing it. Uh, if you're going to be around this afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be doing a draft on drafters. Uh, which is nice because the people can't just draft week 17 matchups on drafters. We actually have to get our hand in the dirt and draft some real fucking football players and, you know, stop with this correlation nonsense. It's out of control. It doesn't matter. It is really funny though. Cause like, we just have the week 17, like the, the data is still here for this is like I said, this is my drafters um, ex- exposure, but you see, so I've, I think I've only done 10 teams, I think. Um, Saquon Wandale happened to be, oh, so there's there's Wandale from our Giants conversation. Chris Evans is a guy talking about the contingent value and the youth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Danny Gray, same thing. I get to the last round on drafters, and uh, hmm, Danny Gray's there. And well, guess what? I'm taking a lot of Trey Lance. So welcome to the team, Danny Gray. You want to talk about all these a- ambiguous situations and kind of the late round targets that we were talking about? Wandale, Chris Evans, Danny Gray. Um, Deonta Foreman, I really like. Uh, you see, here's here, here's here's Brevin Jordan. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's some other late round guys. Alec Pierce, a little bit less so. Uh, Valus, there's Valus, twenty five percent Valus, twenty five percent Valus Jones, and then uh, you see some of my stacks. Funny, funny enough, on drafters specifically seven. So I guess I have more than ten teams. Seven, seven giant stacks of the. Uh, Voldemort word the team and the bears 25% bears stacks um way too much ignore this don't look at this don't look at this Edward wants to see the we can we can look at underdog Edward wants to see the underdog exposure here here's the 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 main part of the tool right the so these 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 are my rankings and you'll see all this stuff I'm on drafters right now we're adding draft kings. don't worry i flip over to I flip over to underdog and here's, here's just like my player by player. You can see um, exposures here. We're, we're just going to look at this page. Cause it's a little bit uh, easier for this, for this stream. I need this to update. Let me just refresh here. Let's go to Baseball mania. Refresh it, let it load for a sec. So you see here, I've drafted 116 teams across all these contests, right? So there's back, there's the back there's my one backyard best ball team, my 23 teams into the puppy. I didn't do any rookies and sophomores. I go over to my exposure here. Here's here's for uh, underdog that 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 kind of same view. I did post some of this. So this th- this is just you can see this exposure on the other page two as well, but you see a whole lot of Denver <laughs> lots of, lots of Broncos, lots more zero zero running back. this is just best ball mania again I did want to click I can show you the difference between my uh, exposure in Best ball mania and the puppy. so here here's in the puppy you see I've been smashing Darnell Mooney and Trey Lance Spiller fields and a lot of zero running back in the puppy. zero running back, zero robust robust running back in the puppy. A lot more San Francisco over here. Uh, Tons of two, six, eight, two, which makes a lot of sense when you're drafting zero running back teams, a little bit different week 17 stacks. But um, this is part of what's coming out as well as the ADP stuff and some premium content. All this is, uh, we're going to we're going to uh, also can't I also can't stop drafting for him this is going to be or uh, we're, we're announcing this afternoon when it's coming when it's coming out and to answer answer Jonathan's question there will be yes tk will be on here so there will be underdog drafters and draft kings uh price point will be $25 a month for everything that's premium which is uh going to be more than just the tool um, and there's just one. So like we're not separating it out, but all the rankings, strategy, uh, articles, ADP tools, all sorts of all sorts of different stuff for twenty five dollars a month. But I've gone a little bit over time. I wanted to you guys were being awesome. I had and really enjoyed the chat. So I figured I would uh, uh, share a little bit of uh, what we got coming up. Very very soon. The team has been working. These guys are killing it. The team has been working super hard. I'm very proud of the things uh, that the that that they and we have been able to to put together. So I figured you guys are uh, you guys can get the first kind of little first kind of little taste test and uh, be on the lookout in the Discord and um, on Twitter for uh, announcements coming a little bit later today. Like I said, I will be back in shoot. Not even three hours be back and like I said, we'll be doing a draft on drafters if you're not signed up on drafters you can use promo code spike and you will get a free ticket into this draft that we're doing so it's a twenty dollar ticket all you got to do is deposit ten dollars so you put ten bucks up they give you twenty to draft into this uh best ball championship their best ball championship a million dollar prize pool two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to first place cumulative scoring so we don't have to talk about week 17 and play and all that kind of stuff um promo code spike but uh yeah Hopefully I'll see you guys a little bit this afternoon and we can hop into a draft and not just talk about, uh, uh, ambiguity, ambiguous situations and all that, but I'll see you guys a little later. Peace.